Are you willing to examine the traditions and doctrines that you trust in for your eternal salvation? Welcome to the Great Deception Podcast. I am Don Britton and I will be your host. I will be comparing the modern traditions and doctrines of American Christianity with what the scriptures actually say. You may be shocked to find out that much of what is commonly believed in American Christianity today is nothing more than myths handed down to us by men. So please join me now with an open mind. Hello and welcome back to another Great Deception podcast. I'm Don Britton and today I want to talk with you about a few of the spiritual gifts and the reason that we have those gifts and how they're supposed to work. Today there's a lot of misuse of these gifts and a lot of misunderstanding about the gifts and how they work. And a lot of it's done today by the unholy spirit rather than the Holy Spirit. I want to remind you in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 7, Paul said this. He said, For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. Then that lawless one will be revealed whom the Lord will slay with the breath of his mouth and bring to an end by his appearance of his coming. That is the one whose coming is in accord with the activity of Satan with all powers and signs and false wonders. So he's talking about the activity of Satan being with all power and signs and false wonders. So last week, if you remember, if you listened to me last week, I talked about this. I talked about how that in these last days that Satan was going to be given power to perform all kinds of false signs and wonders to deceive even the elect if possible. So he goes on to say, uh, and with all deception of wickedness. So Satan is going to have signs and wonders and power, and it's going to be with all the deception of wickedness for those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth so as to be saved. For this reason, God will send upon them, those that, that is those who are going to perish, he's going to send upon them a deluding influence so that they may believe what is false. So here's how it boils down to God is sending Satan. God is sending Satan and demons, the deluding influences upon those who don't have the love of the truth so as to be saved. God himself is sending it. And I'm telling you, that's a dangerous thing. If God is sending it, we better be careful what we listen to. We better be careful what we believe because if we're in the, if we're believing the wrong thing, if we're following the wrong spirit, if we're looking at the wrong kind of signs and wonders for the wrong purpose, then we're going to be caught up with those who are going to be destroyed. He said he did this in order that they may all be judged who did not believe the truth, but took pleasure in wickedness. Now, last week I talked about the true gospel versus the signs and wonders gospel. And I, you know, there's so much can be said. I only had so much time in one podcast. So if you listened last week, you might remember that I pointed out that Jesus warned us that it was a wicked and perverted generation who seeks for a sign, for a miraculous sign, who's looking for signs and wonders. And so what he's saying is, it is wickedness to seek for signs and wonders rather than seek for the Lord, rather than seek for holiness, rather than seek for repentance of your sins. It's wickedness to look for signs and wonders rather than look for the Lord. So I just want to talk about just a few spiritual gifts today and how they're misused. The First of all, I want, to, I want to share with you what the, you know, there there is the word of wisdom. That's one of the spiritual gifts that's mentioned over 1 Corinthians 12. 
the word of wisdom. We don't hear much about that. Nobody really talks about that much, but I'm just going to give you the simplicity of what that means. First of all, wisdom is the soundness of action or decision with regard to the application of experience, knowledge, and good judgment. So that, that's what wisdom is. So a word of wisdom is a word of, 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 uh, is a word that explains the best way to go about doing something or, the, or explains the, 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 the wisest way to approach something. So when you put that in the context of the scriptures, in other words, the, it's, a, it's a gift of the Holy Spirit for the church. So then when you put the definition of, of wisdom in context with a spiritual gift given to the church for the edification of the body, which edification means to be built up with understanding and enlightenment in your mind so that you have a better picture of who God is. You have a better understanding of what he wants with you. That's what edification is. It's not about having an experience, something exciting, a feeling that comes over you. A lot of people call a feeling edification. Well, you can have, you can go on a roller coaster ride and have a feeling. That don't mean you've been edified. Edification is when you now understand you have enlightenment, you have insight into what God wants with you and what he's saying in his word. That's what edification is about. So the word of wisdom is, is one of those gifts that's given for edification. So the word of wisdom is simply good counsel coming from experience and knowledge and good judgment coupled with what the scriptures actually say. You couple you couple that with the scriptures and you've got a man of wisdom who can give you a word of wisdom. So another another one of the spiritual gifts, which is this one now is greatly misused today, is greatly perverted and twisted. And that's, one, that's the one called the word of knowledge. So I'm going to need to break that one down a little bit more. Um, the word of knowledge, the word of knowledge, two, two words there. The word, Greek word, is the word logos. It, it, it means something that's spoken. In other words, something that's verbally said. In other words, that's what logos is. And then it's mixed, it's then, then the word, the word of knowledge, then the word knowledge is, is the, is the word that means having understanding or knowledge of certain facts. For an example, the word of no, is the, the word of knowledge is the word of, of facts or truth that are spoken. That's the word of knowledge. Now, when you put that in the context of the Bible, given for edification for the church by the Holy Spirit, the word of knowledge is just not any word of knowledge. Like you, in the world, you could, get, you could get a word of knowledge about how to get your car fixed or how to, how to do a plumbing repair. You could go on a YouTube video and watch on a, how to do something. That's certainly a word of knowledge. That's from somebody's experience or somebody's understanding of how something works. But when it's put in the context of the Bible, the word of knowledge comes down to this. Is speaking what you know about the Lord and about his word and how it applies to your life and what God is saying to you concerning yourself. So that is a word of knowledge because it's a knowledge about the scriptures. It's a knowledge of what God is saying. It's a knowledge of who God is and what God's all about. So, so that word of knowledge is a word that's used to help you in your walk with Christ. So now, now having said that, so now I want to say this, when you see a prophet or a preacher on TV or in a, in a meeting, like in a church, uh, especially where there's a lot of people like a mega church, you see this a lot. 
saying that he senses, you know, you, you heard him say, oh, I just sense that, that there's someone here that has pain in their left leg or, or someone that, uh, maybe just lost their job or someone who, um, who, who the Lord is telling me that there's someone here that's, that's about to get a better job or, or there, or there's someone that's about to get a raise on their job or there's someone that, that's going to get a new car or get a better house or, or there's going to be some kind of blessing coming your way, or you're going to be healed of some kind of disease. When somebody is doing that, and they're calling it a word of knowledge, it's totally unscriptural. That, that, that's not a biblical word of knowledge. It doesn't edify the person to tell you that you're going to get a raise, or that you're that, to say that I know your left leg is hurting doesn't draw you any closer to Jesus. It doesn't draw you any closer to righteousness. It doesn't deal with the areas of your life that need to be, you need to repent of or need to grow in the grace and knowledge in. It doesn't really change you. It's not conforming you into the image of Jesus, which is the whole purpose of a word of knowledge is to conform you into the image of Jesus. That's what we're here for. And so whoever has a word of knowledge is somebody that has insight and understanding about what the scripture says so that he can explain that and verbalize that and speak that, logos that knowledge to the person that needs help or to the church that needs help. So this word of knowledge that they call the word of knowledge, which is about your body, your finances, your house, your car, your dog, your cat, whatever, it doesn't enlighten you to have a better understanding of God's will for your life. You know what this really is? This really is just like in the New Age movement. This is like fortune telling. This is like what the psychics do. The psychics do the same thing. They can tell you, you can go get a reading, you can you can call up a psychic, you can go sit down with a psychic, and they can tell you things about your life. They can tell you things that have happened in the past, and they can predict things that are going to happen in the future, and they know some things about you that nobody ever told them, and you say, man, that must really be amazing that they know some things about me. Well, this is exactly what the false prophets do. They know some things about us. How do they know? Well, we thought it was the Holy Spirit. Sometimes in the past, I used to think, well, this must be God. But you know what we're finding out when the fruit's not there, when they're not taking you the right way, when they're, when they're taking your money and they're not really changing your life, when they're not, and it's all about them and their ministry, then you start getting the understanding that this is really not from God. So what they're doing is that, is they're, is they're using the power given to them by Satan, not by the Holy Spirit, to have knowledge about you. And so because they have some knowledge about you or some knowledge that goes on in the audience with some people there, it seems like it's a God thing, but it's really not. You see, yeah, they may have some supernatural knowledge. Yes, they may have, but where are they getting it from? You see, the psychics do the same thing. The sorcerers do the same thing. The witches do the same thing. You see, stuff like this happens all the time in the New Age movement, and it happens all the time in the modern church today, especially in the Signs and Wonders church. This stuff goes on all the time. And, and, and you know, some of it, some of it's not even supernatural. <laughs> if you speak to an audience of a thousand people, or let's say somebody on TV like Pat Robinson may be speaking to tens of thousands or maybe hundreds of thousands of people, and he says, the Lord just showed me that somebody out there that's got, that's got pain in their left leg, you know, for an example. Like, you think there's not going to be somebody out there with pain in their left leg or somebody with a backache or somebody just got diagnosed with diabetes or somebody just went to the doctor and found out they got heart disease? Sure, 
in a in a crowd of a no, certain number of people, there's always going to be a handful of people that almost anything you can say is going to hit somebody. So that doesn't mean that he's just hearing from God. A lot of times it's just a, a, a sort of a lucky type of, of thing. It's just, you know, it's just a random thing. When you get a certain number of people, it's just going to hit somebody. And so then these people come on and say, oh, I was listening to TV and I knew the Lord spoke to me because that word was for me. Did it change your heart? Did it drive you to repentance? Did it show you what God wants you to do with your life? Did you did you see that you need to forgive somebody because maybe you have unforgiveness? If it just was about your leg or your back or your pocketbook or your job, it didn't change anything. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's not a biblical word of knowledge. In fact, I encourage you to study the scriptures. There is no case I can find. I can't find any case in the Bible where anyone used the quote unquote word of knowledge, gift of the spirit to to do anything like that, like it's used in the charismatic church today. God is far more concerned with the souls of his people, with a church that needs to be in repentance, who's up to its eyeballs in sin, with a church who's seeking after signs and wonders rather than Jesus Christ the Savior. God is far, far more concerned about those things than he is about your big toe, your backache, your job, you getting a new car or better house. Do you see what I'm saying? What do we think God, you think God is just our sugar daddy that all he wants to do is just bestow upon us physical things, physical healings, physical blessings, physical financial things and make our life a little happier? You think that's the only concern he has? Don't you see that God is concerned about the souls of his people and that the church today is dying and going to hell? The church today is lost. The church today has forsaken the Lord Jesus Christ. The church today is up to its eyeballs in worldliness and sin and idolatry. And you think all God's got to say is that he just wants to give you a better job? Come on, wake up, people. That's not a word of knowledge. <laughs> a word of knowledge will be addressing the truth. And if the Lord did give somebody a word of knowledge, don't you think he would give them a word of knowledge like, hey, there's someone here that's in adultery. There's someone here in this church today who's in adultery. Or maybe in most churches, there's a bunch of you here that's in adultery. Or there's a bunch of men in this church, like 70-something percent of the men in this church, I'm telling you the Lord just showed me, are in pornography. How about that? What about that? Would that be a word of knowledge? You think God might be more concerned with that than he was about you getting a raise on your job? That's where we are today. So what's the Lord really concerned about? You see how the false prophets are talking about things that really don't matter in the long run that have nothing to do with eternity? So anyway, that's the word of knowledge, how it's misused. And that's just, I just gave a brief description of it. There's a lot more can be said about, it. you know, all you got to do is open up your eyes and you can see the misuse and the abuse. It's all over the place. It's all over the Internet. It's all over on podcasts. It's all over the churches. You know, the Lord showed me this. The Lord told me that. When somebody says the Lord told me or the Lord showed me, I always back up and say, wait a minute here. Does it line up with the scriptures? Does it line up with the word of God? Is this what God is really saying to his people? It always makes me want to check it. People, you need to test every spirit. So anyway, the next gift of the spirit I want to talk about, not extensively because I don't have time today, but I want to talk about it some more. The gift of healing. It's the ability given by the Holy Spirit for someone to be physically healed of a disease or even a spiritual sickness. You know, there's more than one kind of sickness. A lot of people are sick with, with unforgiveness. A lot of people are sick with uh, pride. A lot of people are sick with anger. 
A lot of people are sick with jealousy. These are very, very deadly sicknesses. And if someone can get them healed of that, that's a tremendous thing. So I believe there is a gift of healing and I believe it's for all aspects, the human body and the human soul. So I don't, I, I'm not, I'm not concerned that that doesn't exist. What I'm concerned is about how it's abused today and how it's misused. And in the early church, it seemed like there was a lot of power working through the gift of healing, both in physical healings and in spiritual miracles taking place where people were coming to the Lord by the, sometimes the thousands, you know, like 3,000 on the day of Pentecost. And to me, that was a tremendous healing. That was a tremendous miracle. And then there's a lot of times that people are being added to church daily, um, you know, who, who were repenting. So it seemed like that was a pretty common thing. We don't see so much of that today. We don't, not really, not the real true healing of the soul. And we don't really see that much healing of the body today. Be honest with you. We got to start being honest with ourselves. You see, here, here's, here's where, where we are today. Time and time again, different faith healers have been exposed for being fake. You know, everything from having someone in the audience to be planted to come up to supposedly had this disease or couldn't walk or in a wheelchair and then they get up and they start walking. All of a sudden they say they're healed and it's just a big show and, it, and there's been many of them who were exposed to be fake. And Benny Hinn's been one of them. There's been more than one documentary done on him. They couldn't find anybody that really been healed. Even though he's got this big show and all this going on and the miracle healings of the miracle uh, meeting, so, so to speak. But there's been so many that have been exposed as being fake. So there's a lot of fakery going on today. A lot of bogus stuff going on that's called miraculous healings. And you know, to be honest with you, I just want to be honest with you. I started out in a spirit-filled church and there was a lot of talk about miraculous healings. And uh, I observed things that were going on. You know, I was trying to figure this all out in the early days and when I first started my walk. And, and, and then from there, over the past 40 years, I have known personally and met and know of personally through other people sometimes, various and many other charismatic pastors and preachers and prophets uh, over the last 40 years, I've seen them and the ones that are preaching on divine healing, talking about divine healing a lot. But here's my, here's what I'm concerned about. To my knowledge, every one of them that I ever met or knew personally of, of all of these over the 40 years, they have all visited doctors and went to hospitals and had surgeries when they needed to for their medical problems. They've all done that. They get up on Sunday morning, they talk about divine healing, and that's the standard for us, that we're, we're charismatics or we're Pentecostals or we're spirit-filled and we believe in the power of God. Then when they get sick, they go to the doctor. They don't call the church together to divinely heal them, but the, the very thing they're preaching, they don't do it. And so then in, in, the, then in another spirit-filled church I went to, the next one I went to, there was a, there was the pastor there and He's a nice guy, and, and I thought, well, maybe, you know, we, we moved around. We tried two or three different denominations. We first went from the charismatic church to the Baptist church and that didn't really care for that too much. I was still looking for some answers, so we went to a different a different spirit-filled church after that, uh, you know, our third church uh, in, in just a couple of years. And, and so here's this pastor now. He's talking about healing people. He's having people come up front, and he's... He's lengthening legs, and I kept watching the leg, and I never could see it get any longer. It was almost like you had to strain your imagination because 
He'd be kind of, he'd even be holding the guy's heel and saying, look, his leg is growing. And I didn't, I wasn't sure if he was pulling on it or what was going on, but I couldn't really see for sure that leg. I even went up one time on the stage to watch it and I still couldn't see if the leg really got longer. He was big on healing, uh, lengthening short legs. You know, that was his big uh, ministry, it seemed like. But he also prayed for other people with various other sicknesses and stuff. And there was claims that they were healed and stuff. But I never really saw any proof of any of that, even though I was trying to believe and trying to see that this guy really had the power of God. But after a while, I noticed he's wearing these real thick bifocal glasses. And I got trifocals on myself right now. I don't feel condemned over it because if I didn't have them, I couldn't, couldn't see very good. But anyway, he had his big thick glasses on. And so in my youth, my, my youth as a Christian, I was just a two-year-old Christian. I said to him, I said, Pastor, uh, why aren't your eyes healed? Why, in other words, I was really trying to believe in, uh, in, in supernatural healing of the, by the church and, and what he was preaching. But here he is now wearing glasses. I said, why are you wearing glasses? Why aren't you healed of this? He had no answer. He had no answer for that. I thought, well, that's weird. And so then I went, we went from there to a Pentecostal church later. And uh, I noticed in the Pentecostal church, I, you know, my, I keep asking these questions like, well, this don't seem to fit. You know, nothing. They say one thing and do another. And this pastor, again, he was preaching on the Pentecostal beliefs that, you know, we're 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 the people of God. We're filled with the spirit. The spirit has given us all this power. We're supposed to be able to see signs and wonders and miracles and and miraculous, supernatural, divine healings. And he talked about that quite a bit. He He hammered on that. But then I noticed when that pastor got sick, he ended up going to the doctor and then he ended up in the hospital getting a surgery. He got surgery. I'm thinking, I thought, well, that don't even fit with what he's been talking about. And this was a fairly much larger church than we've been in before. And this church had like 10 elders in the church. And so along about the same time, the pastor ended up having surgery for something. I think it was gallbladder surgery or something like that. He ended up uh, the church in the church that ended up that the minister of music guy who was also a uh, a big proponent of faith healing he got sick and he ended up going to the doctor he ended up in the hospital and then <clears throat> in a short period of time within no time at all a couple of the, of the of the elders who were elders in the church the same thing happened to them they got sick and so here was about four leaders of the church now in the pentecostal church who were off in the hospital for surgeries and various treatments because they all got sick. And I, I raised the question. It was just a simple question. Well, if you've got 10 elders, why don't we get the other eight elders together and pray for the pastor, pray for the minister of music, and pray for the other elders that were sick and raise them up from the sickness, just like it says over in James, and the, the effectual fervent prayer of the righteous will, will, will restore them. So why didn't we do that? I got no answer. <laughs> there was no answer to that. So... These things really began to bother me. I'm not, I'm not saying that God can't heal or don't heal today. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying there's a lot of fakery going on. There's a lot of talk and not much walk about this. There's a lot more, a lot more said than there is done. In another situation, I know personally, not far from where I live, you know, I'm in North Georgia and, 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 and a little town near here is called Rossville, Georgia. And there was a, there's a little signs and wonders church there. Well, it wasn't too, too little. It was, he had a few hundred people there, uh, two or three hundred people, I think it was, at one time. Well, anyway, the pastor himself was up preaching. You know, he's a big signs and wonders preacher. He's all about divine healing and spiritual gifts and supernatural events by the Holy Spirit and all this stuff. 
So he was up preaching one time uh, a few years back, and he collapsed. He collapsed and was unconscious. He collapsed on the on the stage and was unconscious, and his wife assumed that he was slain in the spirit, which is a completely false gift anyway. I'll talk about that in a minute. She assumed he was slain in the spirit while he was preaching, and so she got up and started preaching and continued on with the message while her husband lay there unconscious. It turned out he'd had a stroke and he nearly died. And so after a long while, they figured out something must be wrong with him because he never came to. So they, they started checking him and he, and he was still alive. And so they, so this power, spirit filled, believe in Holy Ghost, uh, power to heal church call the ambulance, <laughs> call the ambulance company. And they come and haul him away to the hospital. He'd had a stroke, nearly died. And he never rec fully recovered. He's still to this day, not 100%. He, he got all messed up because of that. So there again, if they were so filled with the Spirit and so full of faith and so believed in signs and wonders and miracles, why didn't, all, why didn't the whole church just gather around him and raise him up? Why didn't they just raise him up like, uh, like Elijah did, that boy that fell that time who, who died? Why didn't they just raise him up? Well, again, there's no answers for that because there's lack of power there. See, it's a lot of talk and not much walk. They really don't have the power. And so many of these churches and so many of these claims and so many of these ministries don't really have the power that they claim to. And here's another point that I've observed over the years. And you've probably seen some of this. If you're honest with yourself, again, be honest with yourself. I've known of ministries and, and staff. And I've known of ministers and staff in spirit-filled ministries and churches who were living with various diseases like heart disease, having to take blood pressure medicine, uh, had type 2 diabetes, had to take insulin, uh, and they were depending on the medications to sustain their ability to deal with their ailments. But yet they were preaching divine healing and preaching the power of God and preaching signs and wonders, and all the time they had various uh, diseases and sicknesses that they were having to live with because the honest truth is, if they had known anybody that had the supernatural power, even though they were connected with various prophets and various so-called apostles and various people with the gifts of healing that they claimed to know, they didn't have anybody really in their life to heal them because they were still sick, even though they were claiming all of this stuff while they were preaching divine healing as a standard, and they were still going to the doctors. You see, you know what that's like? When I hear preachers preaching, and, and like Andrew Womack, for an example, he was on TV, I saw him a while back, or on YouTube one, and he said that he don't even believe in getting sick. He said that sickness won't touch his body. He said that he even said if the coronavirus was to touch him, it would just die. He said he's got so much of the Holy Spirit in him that sickness can't happen to him. I thought I have never heard of such an arrogant statement in my life, and yet... <laughs> If he was sick, he'd be he'd probably lie about it because he's not going to tell anybody because he's done said he can't get sick. So what are you going to do with that? You know, he's taking in money and he's preaching all this power and stuff that it's, it's just bogus. It's just all bogus. It's a lie. Anybody can get sick. Anybody can get sick. Even Timothy got sick and Paul told him to take a little wine for his stomach. Paul didn't just speak words over him and say, arise in the name of Jesus and you're healed. He said, you know, take care of yourself. You're going to have, he said, some men's against sin go before them and some comes after. Don't lay hands on too many, uh, any man too suddenly. What he's saying is, 
if you don't follow my lead on this, you can end up with some things coming upon you. You may get sick over this, or there may be something happened to you. So take a little wine for your stomach. So anyway, preaching divine healing and then getting sick and going to the doctor and going to hospitals and having surgeries and taking medications is like someone who's bankrupt teaching how to be successful financially. Do you see what I'm saying? Do you see the hypocrisy in that? Again, I'm not, I'm not blaming God for this. I'm blaming men for this. And I'm not saying that no one ever gets healed. Don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying that healing is uh, passed away with the, with the original apostles. I'm not saying, I'm not saying that everything has ceased. I'm not saying the gift of the Holy Spirit are done. I'm not saying that at all. What I'm saying is that, you know, I'm not saying that no one ever gets healed. What I am saying is that sometimes they do get healed. I do, I do believe in divine healing, but most of what ha is happening today is fake healings, lies about healings, misrepresentations about healings, things blown out of proportion about healings, and most of it's just not true. And then some of the actual healings that are done, they are done. A lot of them are done by the unholy spirit because, you know, Satan can... Satan can make somebody get better. Satan has a supernatural power, all, all power. Remember, he's coming with all power and signs and false wonders. So he can make somebody get better. He can heal somebody. He can change circumstances for somebody. He's, he's, he's been sent by God to do this for those that don't have the love of the truth. Remember, God sent him to do this. So he can do it through the false prophets. He can do it through false pastors. He can do it through people that, that are misleading and who are after your money and who would deceive you. So Jesus warned about all of this a long time ago. All the way back, he warned us this was going to happen in the last days. So here's what I, I want to try to encourage you to do. Don't just look at the healing, but look at the message and the man who's giving you the message and look at what he's doing. Is he taking your money? Is he pointing you towards holiness and righteousness? Or is he drawing you into his ministry? What's he doing here? And I want to talk to you, I want to talk to you about this fact. Do you know that psychics do heal sometimes? Psychics, you know, in the New Age movement, psychics, there are such things called psychic surgery and psychic revelations, psychic healings, and there's this mental thing where people can read people's minds and stuff. This is all demonic, of course, but it's the same thing is going on a lot of times in the charismatic church. A lot of times it's going on in the Signs and Wonders church today. So false prophets do heal sometimes. Psychics do heal sometimes. False pastors do heal sometimes. But they never deal with your sin. And they never deal with the needs of your soul. They only draw attention to themselves. And they take your money. In 2 Kings chapter 5, there's a story about Elisha. And about Naaman the Syrian who came to him to be healed. And Naaman had leprosy, if you remember. And so when Naaman came to, Naaman traveled all the way from Syria to, to Israel to find Elisha. And when he finally came to his home, Elisha didn't even go out to meet him. He sent word in and Elisha didn't even go out. Elisha sent his servant Gehazi out there and he just told him, he said, go dip in the river Jordan seven times and you'll be cleansed. Well, that really didn't set too well with Naaman because he was thinking that's a dirty river and I've got better rivers than that at home. And he was a little offended, I guess, because Elisha didn't come out to meet him in person, you know. 
So what happened was he finally did go ahead and do what he was told. And, and as a result, as you know, he got cleansed of his leprosy. Now, if we had any faith healer we have today, you pick any one of them from TV or the list of them that are well known. If, if someone had come from another country, let's say a king or a commander had come from another country to seek them out, you think they wouldn't run out to meet them? You think they wouldn't want to be in the limelight? You think they wouldn't want to take credit for something here if, if in fact they thought they could do something for the guy? They would want to receive credit. And they would want the glory if anything was going to happen for this guy for the good. If this, this guy was going to get healed, they'd want the glory for it. You know, today people like Benny Hinn or Kenneth Copeland and many others like that, if they, they would have brought their whole camera crew and they'd have made a big video production out of this. They would have had the guy, you know, down in the river and all the, they'd have all these words spoke over him and do the hokey pokey thing and they'd have the cameras on him and they'd be, they'd be taking video of it and they'd be making a big production. They'd put it all over the YouTube and everywhere just to get people to, to believe in their ministry and to send them more money so they could have some more millions and buy an extra jet plane or two, an extra mansion or two. That's what would happen today. So after all, then Naaman got healed, but it wasn't because Elisha came out and made a big deal of it. He didn't do that. In fact, he stayed out, he stayed in the background. So now that now that Naaman's healed, he's actually very thankful. And of course, he's got all kinds of stuff with him. He's got money and he's got gifts, and he wants to bestow upon Elisha all kinds of financial compensations and financial benefits and give him gifts and everything because he's so happy that he got healed. But Elisha refused to take it. He said, no. He says, is it a time for us to receive money and, and olive gardens, olive vineyards and, 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 and houses and different things? No, where he's saying, am I supposed to take anything for doing what God has called me to do? I mean, where's the preacher like that today? You know, can you imagine? Can you just imagine that when he turned that money down? Can you, can you, can you see Benny Hinn, Kenneth Copeland, Joyce Myers or any of the these others that claim to have faith healing powers? Can you see them turning down the money? <laughs> Can you see them saying no to a bag of money? No, <laughs> I don't think they would turn it down, do you? They haven't so far. Why would they start now? You see what I'm getting at here? There's something wrong with this picture. So, so where is the faith healer today that has the spirit of Elisha? Where's he at? And here's another thing I want you to think about. If we... If we in America, and I'm going to say in the charismatic church, which I used to be a part of, and I'm not anymore, but if if anybody claimed to be spirit-filled, claimed to have the power to heal others, and they were well known for that because it was really true, wouldn't there be, wouldn't it be, since there's so many scattered around the country, wouldn't it be that when somebody had an emergency, Somebody got hurt, somebody got sick, somebody had collapsed, somebody had a, a stroke, a heart attack, or whatever happened to them, or they fell off a tractor and got, got really hurt bad or something like that, that the neighbors would run as fast as they could over to the house where the spirit-filled believer that had the power of healing lived, and they would go get them and bring them over there, and they would have them to lay hands on them and raise them up. But it don't ever happen, does it? Honestly? Have you ever heard of it? And yet... There are supposedly millions of spirit-filled Christians all over this country scattered in all kinds of neighborhoods and all kinds of cities. And when has anybody ever done that? You know, the, the Naaman, the Syrian, he heard that there was a man 
in Israel that could heal him. He made the trip all the, way, all the way there in hopes that this man would heal him. If there was really anybody in your neighborhood that could heal anybody, there's anybody on your street that could heal anybody, if there's anybody in your town or your city that could heal anybody, that really could, that really had the gift of healing, that we keep talking about in the charismatic church that is talked about all the time like it's just, it's just an everyday thing. If anybody really lived around us that had that, wouldn't we all run to them to get our problem resolved? Whoever got sick, whoever got hurt, whoever had an attack, I mean, wouldn't that be the first thing we do? But you know what happens? It doesn't happen. Everybody calls 911. Everybody calls for an ambulance because we really know down deep in our heart, we're all being honest with ourselves. We really know we can't rely on that person that's supposed to be spirit-filled. We can't depend on them to heal us. We can't depend on them to raise us up. We better go to the doctor. That's kind of where we are here in America today. It's the truth. Is it not the truth? Be honest with yourself. So I don't have time today to cover any more of the spiritual gifts, but I think I've made the point a little bit on at least a couple of them, especially the word of knowledge and the gift of healing. But I want to tell you that there are false gifts everywhere today. They're everywhere. False in that they're either fake or they're false in that they are powered by Satan, which is the unholy spirit and demons, of course. And they do have real supernatural manifestations. There are certainly, I'm not denying that there's not supernatural manifestations. They do. They happen all the time. Almost all of them, and I can't say all of them, but almost all of them are false. Because the fruit's just not there to go with them. One of the false so-called gifts of the Spirit or workings of the Spirit, as they say, is the so-called slain in the Spirit manifestation. It's a false gift. This is a false sign that's brought on by demons to dazzle people and to deceive them into thinking that the man who is uh, performing this is a man of God. It's, it's done by demons when in fact he or she is a false prophet. There is no purpose or benefit in being quote unquote slain in the spirit. <laughs> it only gives somebody some kind of an experience, some kind of a, of a, of a spiritual experience that just brings them back to make them deceive that this was really from God when it wasn't. And it causes them to want to seek after another so-called spiritual experience. And so they just continue seeking after signs and wonders. People will go from one meeting to the other hoping to get slain in the spirit or hoping to get a word from God or to get a prophecy or get some kind of revelation about what's going to happen for them. You see, and the end result is they're deceived and the false prophet gets their money. It happens all of the time. See, there's no biblical basis for the slain in the spirit manifestation. There's no biblical basis for it. There's no such thing ever happened in the Bible the way it's happening today. It's not like that. So something is very, very wrong with what's going on today. The focus today on miracles and healing in the charismatic church is all about the body. It's all about the outward man. It's all about his finances, his house, his car, his job, his career, his health, his wealth, his prosperity. But it's not about the inner man, which is sick with sin. The inner man, which 70% of the men today in the church in pornography, many of them are in adultery. Many of them are up their eyeballs in the things of the world with unforgiveness and jealousy and anger and strife and not loving their wives and their children, not doing the things that are right in the sight of God. That's where we are today, but that's not really being addressed by the false prophets. 
It's all about the feel-good stuff. It's all about his health, his finances, his house, his car. But it's not about his soul. And it's not about the sin and the detrimental effect that sin can have upon his soul, which, which can cause him to end up in hell forever. It's not about that. So which sickness is more dangerous? <laughs> someone needing a leg to be lengthened? Or someone that needs repentance of sin that will destroy his soul? Which one is more dangerous? All of the churches in America are filled today with sin, people living in sin and following the ways of the world. The spirit-filled churches, this is what's so sad. The spirit-filled churches are full of pride about being spirit-filled, but their churches are no healthier physically than any other churches. They have just as much physical sickness without any solution as any other church, any other denomination, and they have just as much sin as the other churches according to the statistics and research that's been done. In fact, in the spirit-filled churches and in Pentecostal churches in particular, there's actually a higher rate of divorce than there is, say, in the Baptist church or in the Lutheran church. So where is the Holy Spirit at in all of this? Does, are, are, so are they really filled with the Holy Spirit? What do you think's going on here? It doesn't make any sense. You would think if they're spirit-filled, they'd be far more holy. They'd be far more powerful. They'd be far healthier and they'd have a lot more solutions to their problems. But I don't see it. Do you? Honestly, do you see it? And another thing, if the Holy Spirit's present, wouldn't it convict them of sin? Wouldn't they be ashamed of themselves for their pride? Wouldn't they be ashamed of themselves for their hypocrisy and for being connected to the world? Please remember this. Just because you have a supernatural experience or you see a supernatural event, it does not mean that it came from the Holy Spirit. It doesn't mean that God did it. It must line up with the scriptures. It must be, uh, it must have the purposes of God and the, and the, and it must have a reason for it to happen that would point you towards Jesus, that would point you towards repentance, that points you towards holiness, or it's not from God. You see, psychics and spiritualists, and false prophets, they all do the same thing. They all do the same thing. They give you words and prophecies and even signs and sometimes even healings and miracles, but they give it to you with the wrong spirit. Their focus is on an experience or a feeling rather than on the truth of the Lord Jesus Christ. We were warned about in the last days, we were warned to stay away from sorcery and from witchcraft and from the reading of omens and from false signs and wonders and from miracles by the wrong spirit that were going to come in the last days as a deluding influence sent by God upon all those who didn't have a love of the truth so as to be saved in order to cause them to believe a lie. And here we are today now. It's the, Here we are. It is now in full-blown deception in the hour that we live in. We are, we're here now. So here's the warning. Wake up. We were warned that Satan would come as an angel of light. You know, he doesn't... Satan doesn't come... As I've said before, he's not coming like a red devil with a pitchfork in his hand and two horns sticking out of his head. He comes as an angel of light. He's wearing a three-piece suit, maybe. He's got a Bible in his hand. He's quoting scriptures. He's saying some of the things that God said. But really, he's a wolf in sheep's clothing, looking like a sheep, but he's really a wolf. He's looking and sounding like a man of God, but inwardly, he's a ravenous wolf who, who is destroying lives. In John chapter 10, Jesus warned about him. He warned us about this thief that was going to steal your soul, that was going to steal your money. 
He warned us about him. He said, this thief came only to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus identified this thief not as Satan, as all the false prophets say. Jesus wasn't talking about Satan. There wasn't anything in the whole chapter of John chapter 10 about Satan. It was all about shepherds. It was all about shepherds. It was about the shepherd he called a hireling, the one who's paid to be a shepherd, the one who takes your money to be a shepherd, the one who takes your money to be a prophet, the one who takes your money for your healings and your words and all the stuff he's going to do for you, the one who takes your money to, to build up his ministry and his wealth. That's the wolf in sheep's clothing. That's the one who came to kill, steal, and destroy. And Jesus warned us about that. Go read it. In 1 John 4, verse 1, John said this. He said, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. Test them. Test them. Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. They're here. And he wrote this 2,000 years ago. What do you think it's like now? In 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 1, Peter said this, But false prophets also arose among the people just as there will also be false teachers among you who will secretly introduce destructive heresies. Heresies is the Greek word for opinions. It's their opinions. It's not the word of God. It's what they say that's not true. Even denying the master who bought them, bringing swift destruction upon themselves. Many will follow their sensuality. So here we go. Now we got the many. The multitudes are going to follow their feelings, their experiences, how they feel you know, and this false gospel, the signs and wonders gospel is all about how they feel, how someone feels, what they feel. I feel this. I feel the Lord. I feel the Lord said this. I feel the Lord touched me. I felt this funny feeling. I felt a warm sensation over my body. All these feelings, these false prophets, it says, they're going to secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the master who bought them, bringing swift destruction on themselves and many will follow their sensuality, how they feel. And because of them, the way of the truth will be maligned, which means it's perverted, it's twisted, it's crooked. And in their greed, that is greed for money. Here we go back again. In their greed, they're after your money. They will exploit you. They'll use you. They'll take you. They'll deceive you. They'll do it with false words, he says. And their judgment from long ago is not idle. And their destruction is not asleep. So, if you do not see the false prophets among us, all around us today, if you don't see them, if you just can't see them for some reason, you say, boy, this is just over the top. I just don't see it that way. Then I pray that your eyes will be opened. But I'll tell you something. God would not open your eyes if you do not have the love of the truth in you. In other words, if, you, if, if the truth doesn't matter more to you than anything else, your eyes will never be opened. If you want to hold on to your experiences and your feelings and your false teachers and your false religion and your denomination and your traditions, if you want to hold on to them without comparing them to the scriptures to find out if it's so, then you will never see the false prophets and you will never see the false signs and the false wonders that are all over the place. And you will be deceived and carried away by the delusion. In John chapter 14, verse 26, concerning the Holy Spirit, the helper, Jesus said, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to, you, to your remembrance all that I have said to you. So here's what I want to tell you about that. 
If you, if what you think is the Holy Spirit, but it's drawing your attention to focus on what you think is the Holy Spirit, in other words, it's all about worshiping the Holy Spirit. It's all about paying attention to the quote unquote Holy Spirit, what the Spirit said, what the Spirit did. It's all about the Spirit. Then it's not the Holy Spirit. <laughs> That's not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is pointing to Jesus. The Holy Spirit's reminding you what Jesus said. The Holy Spirit is reminding you of who Jesus is. It's about Jesus. It's not about the Holy Spirit. All this focus on the Holy Spirit is false worship. It's looking at the wrong thing. God is with us by His Spirit, yes, but His Spirit is pointing us to the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the Lord. The Holy Spirit's not the Lord. Jesus is the Lord. The Holy Spirit is our helper, but Jesus is the Lord. Do we not understand that? Are we losing our mind to just focus on the Spirit? And the problem, the problem is that the Spirit we're focusing on, that we're calling the Holy Spirit, 99.9% .9 of the time is not the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit's not glorifying Himself. He's glorifying Jesus. You see, Jesus, His Word convicts us of sin. His Word cleanses us from all unrighteousness. His Word teaches us the way of truth. His Word is what changes us. Uh, Peter said we're born again by the living and abiding Word of God. It's by His Word that our life is transformed. It's by His Word that our mind is renewed. It's by His Word that we are made into a new creation. The Holy Spirit is pointing us to Jesus, the Word of God, the living and abiding Word of God. That's what the Holy Spirit is doing. And if you've got a Holy Spirit that's not doing that for you, you don't have the Holy Spirit. So, I want you to think about all of that. I will be back next week with more of the great deception of American Christianity without Christ. I hope you join me then. Thank you for listening to the Great Deception Podcast. You may visit my website at www.christianmyths.org for more information, for my blog and for my email address. You can also get my book, The Great Deception of American Christianity Without Christ, on Amazon or on my website. Also on my website, you may download two free chapters of my book. I hope you join me next week as we continue to examine the great deception.